Ladies and gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. you are now, 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 now listening to two, 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 the P13 Podcast. Yeah. Welcome back to the P13 Podcast. It's your host, Michael, sitting alongside me with the wonderful mustache and the deep, soulful voice vibrations that come through the headphones every Tuesday here is the one and only Mr. Thomas Conway. Hello there. Hello. How are you? Doing good. Checking in. What's How's the uh, week How's the week been? I week know is good. It's only Tuesday when we're recording this today. Yeah, but um, week is good. You know, things are picking up. How's Holger? He's doing actually had a terrible morning this morning. Oh no! Just a little hellion. Uh oh! I've noticed that he seems to his mood is dictated by the weather. Oh, interesting. So it was really foggy and cloudy, and it has been really sunny. Mm-hmm. So today was a foggy, cloudy day, and he had a foggy, cloudy mood. Can he sense danger? He might be able to. Actually, no, he can't. <laughs> he falls all the time. Um, like today, he uh, there were a few times where he, well, he started doing this thing where he'll like run down hills, and he's not ready for it. Oh, yeah, uh, that could be he kind of a- it's fun, but you know his legs don't keep up with how fast he's going and so he just falls <laughs> oh no so i always have to spot him oh that that seems he has like no a regard thing. for his own safety in life but i think that's just the way kids are it's Fair fascinating enough. that we've made it this far as a species <laughs> well if you want to comment on anything holger related or species related remember that you can comment on instagram at project13gyms.com at project13gyms i should say or at Conway Bunga, if he has something more Holger related, maybe you can help him uh, guide Holger through his downhill running. Yeah. Or maybe you can help me with some other questions that, that I just don't know answers to yet. <laughs> <laughs> We're all learning. We're all learning at some point, uh, which is why this podcast is here. It uh, brings us to the topic of the day. Today's topic is programming. So, you know, and when you exercise, we've talked about this in the past exercises very individual can be i should say very individualistic of course there are some exercises that can be uniform for everyone but how do you know when those exercises are right for you we've talked about the importance of a plan importance of having goals and things like that so how do you select the appropriate movements or programs or equipment that will help you reach those goals so let's start with that why is consistent programming important to fitness yeah, so the key word that Michael mentioned there is consistent. Why is consistent programming important to your fitness? The key is choosing a program that allows you to be the most consistent. So it's very similar to nutrition. And we've talked about that before with Dr. Shannon, mm-hmm. um, where the most effective diet, and in this case, the diet is movement or your programming, is the one that you will do consistently. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest takeaway from this episode, I would say, as we talk through some various concepts is it's easy to get lost in the sauce, as we sometimes <laughs> like to say. But in this case, the sauce is too much complexity. Ah, Here's a quick question. Yes. What is your 
basis or meaning of consistency when it comes to fitness? What does that mean to you? Yeah. So that depends on the individual. For me, I move every day in some way. And that rhymes. <laughs> There's probably one day where the, the most that I do is a pretty extensive walk. Mm. And especially now with the little guy, we're now members of the SF zoo. Ooh. That's one thing that happens as you become a parent. You become you get, members of things that you never <laughs> thought you would. Well, you get um, to play with, you get to hang out with giraffes. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's, I always wonder about zoos and like where the animals come from. Are they being held against their will? That's, Anyways, it's, that's it's a, a deep hole. Yeah. Um, we like deep rabbit holes in here, but yeah. this is one we'll probably save for another day. We will. Uh, but so, so yeah, so like, that's like, I still, we, you know, we, we went on Sunday and we were there for two hours walking around. I am moving every day. So for me, that's the minimum is that I need to move every day. The lower the intensity of the movement, probably the longer the activity will be. So that's that walk through the zoo is like, you know, we're, we're moving not like very fast, but we're up on our feet and, uh, you're just not on the couch watching football all Sunday for 12 hours. That happens when I get back from the zoo. Ah, yeah. But you have moved, but I've moved. Yeah. You've moved off the couch. Yes. Um, so but for everybody, that's going to look a little bit different. And uh, so consistency for some people could be, you know, if you're going from very, very sedentary, consistency for you could be just trying to get three one-hour exercise sessions in per week. And that's usually what I recommend for people when they're first starting out because there's going to be adaptation that occurs. You're going to be sore, especially if it is like training with us. Like yeah. training with us is not easy our sessions are are challenging and so you will have to go through a period of adaptation which means you're probably not going to be able to do six days a week or five you might days be a week. sore for a few days after the first leg day you'll be crushed yeah that's just <laughs> kind of what happens again it's going to look different for for everybody but for me it's moving every day in some form so then let's dive in a little bit deeper what are some of the basics when it comes to uh programs yeah, so there's, I basically had three basics that are in any program of any type. And some of this I talked about in our previous episode with my revolutionary equation that I may win a Nobel Peace, Nobel Peace Prize for in go. like 30 years. It's time is one. So mm-hmm. that's a basic, like you need to, you need to program over a certain period of time and follow that program over a certain period of time to see results. Frequency is the other part of that equation. So that's how often you are training, right? And then we remember that equation again, T plus F equals R capital R that is T not TR, not training. TR is training. T is time. (laughs) F is frequency. R is results. Yeah. yeah, not training. No, no, no. Then another basics that I put in here is volume. And there's various, uh, not equations, but there's various tables maybe or ref- resources that you'll find in the exercise literature that talks about you need to get a certain number of reps per muscle group per week mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's various recommendations. Like a hypertrophy phase where they're always talking about like eight to 12 reps, eight to 12. And then you extrapolate that out over like, yeah, you should hit your chest 
like should should get 36 reps something over the course of a yeah. session which would be four sets of 12 yeah that's three sets of 12 that's three sets of 12 sorry but yeah four so some, there's there's usually an upper limit and a lower limit to create the response that you're looking for mm-hmm. um and they all tie in together because like you have to do that over that frequent you have to do that over that time period of, yeah let's exactly say six weeks yep so you you need to maintain volume or increase it mm-hmm. gradually over the course of six to eight weeks going to the gym three to four times a week in order to see the results the one thing that i didn't include in this list that just popped in my mind is intensity mm. so that's going to be your load right and are you performing enough intensity And that will also vary depending on who you talk to in terms of what's needed to see results. Some people will maybe program more intensity and less volume and frequency. Some people may do less intensity and more volume and frequency, but usually those operate inversely of one another. Interesting thing about intensity, just a quick point before we start moving into the deeper dive into the basics of a program cycle is... Does the intensity mean increased weight? Does it mean increased reps, increased speed? So it can mean, it depends on what you're working on. And we'll talk about those various types of training that you can work on. But it, it, if, you're, if you're talking strength, it's going to be load. If you're talking cardiovascular work, it's going to be, I mean, it could be a few things. It could, could be, be pacing if you're mm-hmm. using like a concept to erg. Um, it could be VO2 max if you have the ability to uh, track that and understand it and interpret it. You need a tube in your mouth. You need a tube in your mouth. Um, and then, you know, for something like flexibility, that one is going to be a little more subjective, mm. you know, and it has to be based off of feel um, because, you know, you can, I mean, that's just how you manage intensity and flexibility training is like either the stretch, stretch, is more intense or it's less intense. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go to the p- point where you find it and then not push beyond it and just kind of hold that. And that'll be lower intensity flexibility work. Or you can try to push the range. That's going to int- increase the intensity of the stretch subjectively, increasing the RPE. And that's another thing I, I guess we haven't mentioned, but RPE is another measure of intensity. It's rate of perceived exertion. It's a subjective measure, but the reason it was created is because it's a it's a universal scale mm-hmm. that you can ask two different people the RPE of an exercise and they might give you two different answers, but you know that, you know, it's on this scale that's uniform. Yes. It was always fascinating to me that it was always pretty close to what your how like how close you are to your heart rate exertion was always the interesting one. Was that the RPE scale? Meaning, or meaning, uh, like how close to like nine to a hundred percent that was. Like if someone was like, it's an RPE of seven out of ten. Yeah, you're probably close to like seventy percent of is it your heart rate reserve or your heart rate max? Probably be it. My guess is it would be your heart rate max. Yeah, I just don't remember right off the bat. Like, but it was always interesting to me how close that was in there. Anyways, yeah, yeah. Moving on, moving on. We'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper here to the to the cycle, but the phase, uh, the basics of a phase or cycle of programming. So, what does that uh, elicit here? Yeah. So, when we talk about then building a program, if you're someone that's wanting to do this yourself, and that was kind of the point of this episode, it was like we at Project Thirteen feel that it's very important to educate 
and empower our members to then be able to do things with the things that they learn from us. So if you were ever a member that has moved on, a lot of our members have moved away. Moved uh, on to other th- cities. Moved on to other cities, yes. That's almost, <laughs> yeah. Come on, San Francisco, get your stuff together. Yeah. Um, but, you know, then you are equipped with the knowledge to potentially, if you can't find another group gym right away, you're equipped with the knowledge to maybe build something yourself. Yeah. So in, in terms of thinking of a phase or a cycle of programming, when we zoom all the way out, we have the macro cycle. And that is generally an annual plan that consists of, consists of smaller cycles within, which we'll define here in a moment. And uh, that, can, that macro cycle can be based on a number of things. So like I said, it's an annual cycle. But if you're an athlete and you just finished... Uh, uh, or and you're a seasonal athlete, you would have most likely, especially if you're working with a strength coach, you would have a macro cycle that's based around your sport. Mm-hmm. So it'll have a period of time, the off season, which is going to be where your training is probably intensity and volume is probably the highest Yep, because you're not participating in your sport at that moment. And then it'll It'll basically ramp you up in preparation for the start of your sport. And then during the season of your sport, volume and intensity is probably going to go down because you're just, you're playing the sport a lot and you're trying to just stay healthy. But if you're like an average person, which is most of the people that are almost all the people we work at at project 13, again, you're not training for a specific sport or event. So like at project 13, we consider our macro cycle one that is focused on improving GPP, which is general physical preparedness. You can think of GPP as it's like the ability to be fit across a broad spectrum of fitness attributes. Mm -hmm. You're going to do some work that improves your strength. You're going to do some work that improves your cardiovascular fitness. You're going to do some work that improves your joint health and flexibility and mobility. I've often actually at a Jim Jones seminar I attended years ago, Rob McDonald was better known as Bobby Maximus. He was the, yeah, he was the training director there at the time. And he would always explain this as um, essentially dials on like a volume board. Mm. Is that what that's called? Yeah. Oh, soundboard. 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 So like you have the dials of various, I don't know, what is it? Notes? It's not notes. It's uh, frequencies. No. Frequencies, maybe. I don't. Anyways, and so with I GPP, with GPP, <laughs> yeah, with with general physical preparedness, you're increasing all the dials. Okay. Right. They're all going up. So on one end of the spectrum, you have strength. On one end of the the spectrum, you have endurance. Generally, when one is focused on, the other will go down. Mm. So GPP brings you to this level of being good at like all of those things, but you're not going to be elite at any of those Mm. things. Does that make sense? That makes sense. That makes sense. You're kind of, you're building yourself to be well-rounded versus being in the specialized specialized. Yeah. And for the average person, I would say that's what you want to go for. Yeah. Right. Is you want to be, you want to be balanced, right? There's, there's no need for most individuals, unless they're just really interested in mm-hmm. it, to to try to start like powerlifting. Yeah, 
if you want to explore it as a hobby, that's completely fine. But for people that come into the gym and they're like, Hey, I just want to get healthy and fit, think this uh, is good feel stuff. good, you know, Im- improve my cardiovascular function a bit. Like, yeah. Okay. Like you're going to do what's considered general uh, physical preparedness programming. You can also, it's almost like setting your bar and then from there building. Yeah, exactly. Setting your, fir- your initial building level. A base is yeah. like what you can almost. And then That's, from there, like we've had plenty of people that have done that and you know, they get their GPP to a pretty high level and then they're like, Hey, I want to actually really get good at my deadlift. All right. And so it's like, okay, cool. We'll probably tell them like skip conditioning days then. Yeah. You know, and just fo- use that day instead as recovery and don't crush yourself on conditioning if you really want to get good on your deadlift or put on mass or whatever it is. So it gives you a, a really uh, solid base to work from. And then from there, you can you can make decisions about, about where you want to go. The other thing with our macro cycle is we rotate through various like compound lifts. Yeah. So, you know, we'll rotate between deadlifting, front squatting, back squatting, single leg strength work. Um, and that kind volume of, work, you know, there's yeah volume work, work strength work. Um, and we probably go through about three essentially cycles of those. Yeah. That makes sense. So you'll hit deadlifting three times a year, right? Cause we program in six weeks at project 13. So those smaller cycles, those six week cycles transitioning to the next part is they're, they're known as mesocycles. So those generally consist of four to eight weeks of a specific focus. And again, like I just mentioned, Project 13, like an example is six weeks of focusing on deadlift. The four to eight weeks is, that's based on what I've seen. When I was doing some research for this podcast, I saw numbers like four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. I think I've personally experienced going through mesocycles of eight weeks and still continuing to yield results. Yeah at the end of that eight weeks. It may depend on what it is that you're doing. Like when I was doing those longer cycles, it was more of skill-based stuff. Mm -hmm. So that could be part of it. If you're doing strength, maybe eight weeks is a little too long. Yeah, I don't know if you have Mm -hmm. some perspective on that. It depends. I think six is usually the general with strength. Eight seems to... I think it you can, can stretch a bit long. It, yeah. Yeah. And then we've experienced that with playing around with uh, some of our programs, like an eight week program that was a German volume training. Was that? Was it the Hepburn program? Hepburn program. Yeah. That's what it was. So the things like press, that. Yeah. yeah. And it worked. It works. It worked, but it was the same rep scheme for a long eight time. Weeks, and I think, eight, and we'll yeah. talk a little bit more about group pro- programming, but I think <laughs> people got a little bored with it. Yeah. But hey, they saw gains. Like, I, so it's like, again, what do you want? Some of those people told me my bench has never been able to go up and we added 40, 40 pounds to some people's bench. So it's like, well, it's just two extra weeks. What do you want? The same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but again, that's like the, you're going to see, it takes time for those results going back to the, to the Nobel peace prize equation. Yes. Time and frequency. We're still waiting for that Nobel prize. Yep. It'll come time, (laughs) time and frequency equals results. Exactly. Yeah. Everything goes back to that. Yep. Yep, for sure. Never forget that. Um, but mesocycles will also differ based on other types of sport or activity you're participating in. Unless, of course, you are still doing that activity alongside a, like a group programming mm-hmm. gym, right? Which is what ours is. So there are some people that play rec soccer and come to our gym or something like that. And they may just have to be a little bit more mindful about how they position their 
their training around yeah. that activity because they don't want and same thing with like a lot of people ski and snowboard yeah some people will come in and be like i'm driving up to tahoe tomorrow i don't want to destroy my legs so <laughs> i'm just gonna adjust and we'll talk about adjusting within a program here shortly but so it may it it may differ so some mesocycles may be shorter if you're in a sport or activity or if you're training for a specific event like you a may triathlon throw on, yeah you may Shout throw out in Tanner. A, oh t lars t lars t lars is doing a t-rathlon <laughs> dang yes. good for the big dog but yeah so you know you may throw in a, a shorter mesocycle in preparation for an event um or you may you know thinking a couple mesocycles out from your event may gear some of those towards that event yeah so for him, like probably 12 weeks out from the event, getting some good volume in would be smart. Get ramping up the distances. Build, build your base, yeah. your aerobic base, I mean. And yeah, get volume, get distance. Um, but then as it gets closer, you should be doing a little bit less so that you're peaking. Yeah, you're peaking from a recovery perspective when the event comes. Yeah. Then the last little cycle uh, that we have is the micro cycle. And that's essentially just one week of programming. So that just zooms into the most deal de detail. And you can then even go to a day of programming could be considered part of a micro cycle. Mm -hmm. So with all those, one conversation has to be uh, what is periodization. Yeah, I was going to just bring that in. Like yeah. you mentioned it slightly with like the athletes. Yep. Periodizing. Oh my period, god! Period. Periodization. <laughs> periodization. Anyways, um, so let's go into it. Let's yeah. Talk so about with sport. All those cycles are essentially um, developed or written in a way that the training is periodized, and what that means is essentially so. There's like linear programming mm -hmm. in which you start lower in terms of load intensity volume and that scales up over time to a point where you peak which should be right around your event right so the concept of periodization is mostly geared towards sports and event-based athletes yes and again those the periodization will be would be detailed in those various cycles of training which for most people that's not very relevant but what is relevant, and especially for our people, is a, another concept that goes kind of a, it's kind of a sub, uh, sub set or subtopic of periodization, subcategory. Subcategory. I think maybe? that's probably yeah. the, the correct nomenclature. It's a branch off for sure. It's a branch off, um, known as undulating periodization. That's a tough and word. And that is a tough word. Can There's you do it? Un undulating. 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 Silent you. Silent you. Sounds like there's a J in there, but I know. there's not. Um, I was going to be like that pronouncing guy, pronouncing things incorrectly guy. I don't think Undulating. <laughs> I like that pronunciation. <laughs> we should change it to that. But so undulating periodization essentially involves adjusting intensity and or volume more frequently than linear programming. Mm. Right? So linear programming the intensity is increasing over time for maybe, maybe two, six weeks, weeks, maybe more, yeah. could be a couple months. 
Whereas undulating periodization, it can happen as frequently as weekly or daily. Got it. And so again, for the average person who's not training for an event and they're just trying to improve fitness over time, you would want to do maybe some form of undulating periodization. Now, when I looked this up, you know, I think, uh, I think the resource that I found explained it more as a way to dial up intensity. But when I usually talk about it and, and have conversations uh, with people about it, I think of it more so as a way to manage fatigue and bring intensity down. Because in my experience, I think people have a harder time bringing in intensity down when they should. Yeah. There, there's a lot of people that would benefit more from having more frequent uh, lower intensity days. But often they, they tend to just push through it and That's do high intensity. Or the alternative is they just take a day off and rest completely and then go back and just ramp again yeah and go back in and crush it the next day when they could be better off um coming in instead of instead of like completely resting and uh still moving but again managing intensity and that's where like intention comes in the intentionality of it coming in and being like oh i'm just gonna use this as a form set where it's like maybe sub maximum it's like 60, 70% of the load, but right. you're feeling how your movement is. Yeah, exactly. And the cha- some of the challenges or one of the challenges that we see with it in the group setting is once you get into the gym and you see other people going hard, it's pretty tough for you to then be like, well, I'm just going to take it a bit easier. Yeah. But we try to set things up and set the framework at Project 13 to allow space for people to make that decision, mm-hmm. right? Like especially the people that come in four to six days a week. When I see that they're starting to do that, like if a new member joins and I see they're starting to come that frequently, I will usually at some point, a couple weeks in, pull them to the side and say, hey, like see you're coming in a lot. You may want to adjust intensity on a few of these days and use one more as active recovery. Mm -hmm. Well, and we've also instituted those like transition weeks recently too. Yeah, we have. Yeah, so... That's a very good point. I kind of forgot about that. But yeah, so the way that we used to do it uh, is we would usually do pre and post testing mm-hmm. over the course of the six weeks. So we'd test week one and it'd probably be one conditioning based thing and one strength based thing. So yep. it's not a ton, but still enough to create a pretty high demand. Absolutely. Especially with the programming and the volume that you'd probably be having to working with yeah. in order to keep that test number up. Right. And then we would test at the end of the six weeks. But then when we would go into a new phase, we would test thing, new things again. It's essentially two weeks. Yeah. So two weeks of testing, which, you know, after a little more thought and, and, and experience doing it with people, we kind of decided uh, that doesn't really make the most sense. So we've started to input in between the six-week phases uh, transition weeks where, you know, we maybe revisit a movement that we haven't in a while or we just focus more on just a little bit more volume instead of intensity mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Take so take a load off, take a load off. And that, and honestly, that's one thing that it took me a while to implement myself mm-hmm. where I would, after the course of six, eight or 10 weeks, depending on what the program is like, take a full week of essentially a deload. Yeah. And more often than not, what we see, we've seen this with a lot of people 
in the gym is they then come back that next week and they're performing better than they were prior yeah. to the deload week. They feel great. It yeah. leads up to that next topic of kind of kind of a, the next topic, active recovery. Yeah. So in my opinion, and just based on my experience, mastering your active recovery is one of the keys to consistent progress. And that's something I've gone through periods where I've kind of been, what's the term, maybe like short-sighted on it and mm -hmm. overlooked active recovery. And I could definitely feel it. My body just seemed a little more stiff. Like I was generally a little bit more fatigued. And then I've gone through periods where my active recovery is on point when I just took the time to really think it through and make sure that I could dedicate time to my active recovery. And there's no question in terms of how I feel, how I perform, that when I'm on top of it, my performance is just way better. So there are many forms of active recovery as well. And so this is where you can kind of individualize it based on what one, what you like to do and one, what you feel works the best for you. So just some examples would be a day where you, you do like 45 minutes to an hour of a brisk walk, right? So something that's going to get your dog. walk in the dog or the kid, whatever you got or the cat. I don't know. Some people walk cats. You can put them in those little backpacks that you see. My through. sister does that. Really? Well, actually she has a stroller for the cats. Wow, that's next level. It's, it's pretty next level. <laughs> uh, it's always funny when I see that. Not to put her out there. Uh, but well, you just did. She has two cats in Michael's going to get in trouble for that one. <laughs> um, so, but brisk walking, you know, that's something that's not going to kill be you hard on the joints yeah. or, or the tissues. It's going to be easy on your central nervous system. It's free. It's free. And then, yeah, it's going to get your body temperature up. It's going to get your heart rate up. You're going to perspire. All these There's good things, things that, that yeah. come from just like a good uh, brisk walk. You're also going to get outside most likely unless you're doing it on a treadmill. But Be one with nature. Either, either one is okay. Whatever you can do. Another example would be moderately paced inter intervals with low intensity slash low impact movements. So that could be one of my go-tos always was I start with a 10-minute bike at an easy pace then go, uh, we're talking fan bike in the gym, uh, then go into like five rounds of two minutes on the bike at uh, like 75 RPMs for our members. You know what that is like. <laughs> it's a pace that I can hold easily, but it's challenging my breath a little bit. Mm. And then I'll get off and do like a four minute inter or a four minute break from the bike in which I do a minute of crawling, minute plank, maybe some kettlebell flow work. And then that leaves me like 30 seconds to a minute before I get back on the bike. Nice. You know, so like something like that, it's again, really low impact, but good quality movement. Yeah. Same concept. Breathing is going up. Heart rates, heart going, rates up. going up, body temperature, all that good stuff. And then there's just like breath work. So that can be some good active recovery work. There's like Wim Hof stuff that people can do. Then the always controversial SMFR. What's that? That stands for self myofascial release also known as foam rolling <laughs> but i've been doing a lot more of that recently i've gone through phases where i do it phases where i don't do it i've been doing it pretty consistently now and i don't know i feel i feel good mm -hmm. when i do it so that's again another it's it's up to you if you do it and it feels good and you like it why stop do it i don't care same thing with stretching if you if you feel good when you stretch if you feel that it helps you recover then go ahead and do it. But that's like another activity that could be recovery as well. So then what do we look for building a session with a lot of those things in mind? 
Yeah, so there's a number of different ways that you can approach this, and we're going to split this into two. There's, it's it's very different when you're doing this for an individual. It's very different, or when you're doing this for an individual versus doing it for, for a, a group. group, which we've we have plenty of experience. Yes, if a person comes to me and says, "I want to accomplish X, and I don't care about anything else. I just want that goal," then it becomes pretty simple for me. Because we'll use the example of a handstand or a muscle up or something、mm-hmm. like that, or you could even say I want to improve my squat. Then that program is going to be designed and built with that singular focus in mind, and I'm not going to care about how entertained they are or whatever. I mean, obviously they need to be compliant with the programming for lack、there's、of a better a, term. There's a give or take with it as well. But、okay. if someone is like, "I want this like so bad, and I'll do whatever to get it. I don't、okay. care." It's like, okay, like that's that's good because I mean that may be what the mindset that you need to take. It's like it, again using the handstand as an example, you're just going to be spending a lot of time on your hands. You're going to be doing handstands facing the wall. You need to be doing handstands facing away from the wall. You're going to be doing a lot of wrist prep. You're going to be doing、uh, um, a lot of front line body drill. Uh, and it's all these things that, believe me, I've gone through it. It's not glamorous, and you do it a lot. But guess what? It works. T plus F equals R. Damn right, damn right. And that's the same approach that took me from not being able to a, to do a handstand kicking up against a wall, like I would literally fall on my head when I would try it, to doing a. a 60 second free handstand. It's pretty you know, solid, and it took me like 18 months, and it was generally the same program the entire time. All of you complain <laughs> about something being like we're doing too much of something. You're fine. Well, there's plenty of variety in in the program. You、yes. trust me.、It、leads to the group, which leads to the group.、Uh, so. When programming for a group, that's the first thing. There's going to be more variety built into it、yep. to accommodate the the mini or the or the group that we're that we're programming for, right? So it can never be too specific. We're not we're not like a again we're a general physical preparedness gym, I would say. So we're not going to do like a powerlifting phase. Right. Yeah. It's never going to be that dialed in. We're not. We're never going to do a phase where we focus on muscle ups. Like, you know, it's never going to be that focus. It's going to always be done thinking about that general physical preparedness in mind. So another thing with group programming, there needs to be multiple scaling options built into the program. So scaling reps.、Mm-hmm. So we do that at the gym. If it's a body weight movement, we scale the reps. Scaling weights. So there are some workouts that we do where we provide recommendations for weights. And it's scaled, right? There's a beginner, intermediate, and advanced. Such as that max rep bench that we just did. Oh yeah, that was a fun one. <laughs> a lot of people had fun with that. Shout out Jackson and Ben Prouty. There we go, pumping out like over 100 reps、Jeez. almost. Then scaling movements as well. So there's sometimes where, like a good example is sometimes we do burpee pull-ups, right? So we'll scale that to burpee bar touch for people that maybe. The pull-up would be a limiter,、mm-hmm. right? A nice little add-on to that is scaling movements based on your space too. Is something that, especially at our gym,、yeah. with how the setup is, yeah, we yeah. have a smaller space. 
you kind of have to figure out, okay, how's this going to dial into the flow of this as well, too? Because if you have people doing burpee pull-ups and other people doing... Bench oh, press. Yeah, bench press. It's going to be a nightmare. S- someone's getting smoked in the someone's face. Someone's getting smoked. You as the coach, you're just freaking out. You're like, oh, God, <laughs> we are walking on thin ice here. Um, that's a good point, though. That is a very good point. And we often will program as well in a way that it creates a good flow when there's multiple people moving through it Mm -hmm. because and Michael and I have both been in sessions where we um, think it's going to work out great and it doesn't yeah and we're like holy shit this This uses a a lot of equipment (laughs) people have like six different dumbbell weights out and a kettlebell (laughs) because the movements are just too far in terms of like how much you can do strength wise people are like pulling their hands away because they're almost getting stepped on yeah it's it's, um so so that is something you have to think about as well and then which makes for the modifications need to be slipped in easily right yeah exactly so you need to be able to if someone comes in and they have a contraindication you need to be able to and this is maybe more dependent on the coach's capability Mm -hmm. but you need to be able to slip movements in easily that that person can do and still keep them integrated into the session with the rest of the group. Like such as dips that we see sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Um, and then again, for us at project 13, in terms of group programming, there is no linear periodization per se, but we still are again with every person, all the dials on the soundboard are moving up. Yep. So they are, progressing in a relatively linear fashion but like our program is not structured necessarily to do that it just happens naturally because they just get a lot of good work in yes um and uh and we more so from the individual side again try to have people do more of an undulating periodization type type practice undulating undulating so then let's wrap <laughs> let's wrap this up let's wrap this up a little bit here basic program structure yeah. especially like us with the group or general physical preparedness in mind what do you have some what are some of your final points on that yeah so then if we talk about like again building out a session there's generally five things that you want to have in a session to make it a well-rounded one and this is how we structure our workouts at P13. One, general warm up. We have a podcast on warm up. We do. If you're interested. Yeah. And I don't know if it was on that one, but I think we kind of talked through the structure before. But general warm up. So that can be uh, five to 10 minutes of anything that's just going to, again, increase body temperature, get the tissues a little warm. And then most importantly, Get your mind right for the training session. Yep. Separating yourself from what you were doing before. You're basically creating a gap of what you were doing before into, you know, working with some intensity. Then we have the specific warm up, specific. Specific. And that is anywhere from five to 10 minutes. That's, That's prepping the specific parts of the body that you're going to train later in the session. Maybe it's banded pull aparts for pull ups. Banded, yeah, banded pull parts, some hanging for pull ups, things like that, that will again be a little bit more specific uh, in terms of activation and mobilizing. Excuse me. Then you have your main movement slash main focus of the day. So if we're doing deadlifts, that's where this will fall, right? And that's going to be your whatever it is, whatever rep scheme, five by five, five by three, 
um, six ten by, by two, one. ten by one, um, ten by ten. Ooh. Um, that'd be pretty brutal on that's deadlifts. You'd probably destroy yourself. Or if it's conditioning based, that's where your conditioning like workout is going to, is going to fall. So that's your 30 nineties, 30 thirties, uh, 500 meter repeats, like whatever it is that you're 500 doing. Meter repeats. Um, yeah, we should do that one soon. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you go into some accessory work. So this is where you can start to, m- my recommendation would be where you start to throw in some things that you're deficient at. Ah, right. So it's a, good call. it's a good opportunity to work on improving some of those deficiencies. So if it's, if you have tight hips, like this is where you can maybe throw in some flexibility with some some hip activation work. Maybe um, some glute bridges with some couch pigeon, stretch. With couch stretch. Yeah. Open up the hip flexors, then activate the glutes, right? So you can think about things like that. Then at the end, just kind of something, just like when we start a session, we start with a general warm-up. It is nice to end a session with a little bit of cooling down. Again, even if it's just from the mental aspect of switching you out of your training state of mind and back into your daily state of mind how you just operate during the day all chill chill and stuff but it, that could be various things that could be sitting in a size of stretch there you go right oh that's a good one this is a good one that could be actually working through some specific flexibility you could we've done it before in circuit-based fashion where you do 30 seconds of two to three stretches and you rotate through it two to three times, yeah. you know, but that's going to, again, calm the nervous system down. It could be where you throw in some self myofascial release. If you like Ooh. that again, calming the nervous system down, calming the tissues down, but it can be beneficial just because it will then start the recovery process. There you go. And, and then you can leave the gym feeling good and, you and can, getting ready for the next session. So you can set back up for that amazing equation, which is T plus F equals R. And with that, avoid the bullshit. Thank you again for listening to the P13 podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. This podcast was produced by Project 13 Gyms and a special thanks to Studio Pod Media for providing the studio space and additional production. Absolutely. You can find us on social media on Instagram at Project 13 Gyms. You can find myself at Kemifan. That is K-E-M-I-F-A-N. How about you, Thomas? Where can they find you on your social media? You can find me at Conway Bunga. That's C-O-N-W-A-Y. B-U-N-G-A. You can also check us out at project13gyms.com. And if you're in the SF area, come train with us at Project 13 Gyms in Lower Knob Hill.